0: violence, per se, has never been my bag, except personally. But in pictures, as in I would like to uh, try to at least portray it on the screen as it is.
1: Uh, I've failed, and
0: I've succeeded. And, um, but all those pictures you talk about, basically, are morality plays. I've broken a lot of fences and noses. I just do the best kind of a job I know how. uh, But there are certain people who are filmmakers, and there are certain people who are not, that's all.
1: Spring break!
2: Spring break grammar, y'all. Today is a uh, very special episode, as are most of them. We are not joined by by our, our co-host, Ken, today, because he's recovering after a horrible car accident. Look,
1: you don't want to put money on Ken right now in any ass-kicking contests.
2: <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just me and Thomas, and uh, we have a very special guest uh, podcast uh music extraordinaire music expert podcast theme song writer creator. It's Ryan.
1: Hello. Hey, yeah, so welcome to season seven. Uh we're we're calling it four by four where we're covering uh four films by four different directors. So for you visitors out there, that's a total of sixteen films. <laughs> and we're in the bottom half of our second director, Harmony Corinne.
2: Wait, you mean b- bottom of the barrel, or
1: whoa? whoa, whoa. <laughs> so we—you're gonna have to go to court here in a little bit, Ryan. Uh so while Jack pulls up uh, some Letterbox uh, synopses for Spring Breakers, I'll run through a little Harmony Corinne because very similar to Frankenheimer. Uh, Corinne took a little break, and he ended up in Paris for a few years so he came back all uh well traveled and won't shut the fuck up about it (laughs) so for corinne as a uh, filmmaker really that starts off in 95 when kids comes out and his first uh, parents on letterman which we talked about last episode uh he would then go on to make gummo in 97 his first uh film that he directed and as mentioned last episode he tried to Distance himself from the movie Kids. Um, just it was a script that he wrote kind of on spec. And uh, Gummo is like what he considers his first true movie. Uh, the year later, he would write uh, and publish Crack Up at the Race Riots and show backup on Letterman uh, before 1999 when he is banned for Letterman for reasons that we had mentioned last episode. Uh, he also starts Fight Harm. Um, which not everybody's familiar with. It's an unreleased project that he worked on with David Blaine and Leonardo DiCaprio as cameramen for him. The only rule was that uh, whenever uh, he started a fight, I'm sorry, whatever, so it's him being filmed getting into fights. Uh, He can't throw the first punch or the first blow. Somebody else has to. And he thought about it as a comedy kind of a Buster Keaton-y comedy. And so after Julian Donkey Boy uh, starts working on Fight Harm, and I think you saw him around this time, right, Ryan?
0: Yeah, and to be clear, um, not to be pedantic, but uh, he did Fight Harm before Julian Donkey Boy.
1: Well, he was doing it throughout. Right. Like it was an ongoing project.
0: But he was already... So when I was in New York uh, for school for the release of Julian donkey boy, he had just ended the fight um, project because of his injury.
1: Yeah. He wasn't able to tap dance after that very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I true. believe somebody curb stomped his ankle basically.
0: Yeah. A bouncer at a, at, at scores if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah. I think the story is that he went to go. Gr- Harmony went to go grab a trash can to throw at him. And the trash can was chained to the the pillar that it was next to. And so he just kind of fell over and the guy yeah, just stepped on his ankle and maybe started his addiction to uh, some painkillers. But it seems like he was probably going through some of that already. Um, Chloe would leave him that same year uh, because of the drugs is what what she said. And so in 2001... um, you have uh, Harmony Corinne accidentally burning down, maybe, accidentally, two houses that he, he owns. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about
0: that. That's incredible. Of
1: them, yeah. The one he, he, he for a long time claimed that both of them uh, he had no involvement with. But The first one, uh, apparently, he fell asleep smoking and it burned. He, he said that that was the cause for burning down the house. He hasn't really said anything about the second one, but he lost a lot during that. So, he, I mean... Uh, imagine everything in your house, especially early, uh, before the cloud, um, for backups. Uh, he lost some scripts and some art during that time. So that's when he, uh, leaves for Europe. Eventually in like 2003, he'll meet Agnes B, the person who helped, uh, fund, uh, Mr. Lonely, uh, which came out in 2007. And he starts to clean up. He goes, gets methadone, uh, starts in the methadone clinic for, I think, a year. Uh, or, uh, he's set, set up a rehab for about a year and ends up doing some work for with David Blaine, um, just kind of work for a hire with his buddy to uh, shoot his UK special. But then he's back. So you have an eight-year hiatus between um, Julian and Donkey Boy, last film we covered, and Mr. Lonely, which we won't be covering this time. Uh, And then two years later, he comes out with Trash Humpers, which is almost a film. (laughs) And there'll be uh, then today's films, his most recent Spring Breakers in 2002 with a U.S. release in 2013. I'm sorry, 2012 with his uh, release in 2013 and then um, 2009's Beach Bomb. So that's like seven years between Spring Breakers. What's that?
0: Oh, you said 2009.
1: Yeah, so. uh, man, guys, I really am hungover. <laughs> I, I I can barely see my screen. Uh, <laughs> it is I I maybe I just need to get blazed. I don't understand like how people do this.
0: That is uh, that is uh, how a, that is how adults reckon with it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I could yeah I need to step up my game, become more mature. <laughs> Jack, you wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> So in oh, 2019, uh, which would be seven years after Spring Breakers, Beach Bum comes out. So I don't I mean uh, it seems like maybe just because of him being kicked off of Letterman and kind of going dark and no one really hearing from him and having a drug problem and being such a rising star uh, that that eight years seems maybe bigger than what it really is. Hmm. Because I mean, many directors have hiatuses between films. Like if you what was it between Thief and um uh oh no uh, uh for Michael Mann we had a, a pretty good spell of no films, right?
2: Yeah. Uh it was a pretty bad spell though because you miss him.
1: Yes. And <laughs> uh, I would say the same thing for Kareem. Yeah. Because it's like six yeah he has he had that six year spell between Manhunter and the last of the Mohicans. Right. And then another six year spell between Public Enemies, and Black Hat.
2: Well, I, I didn't get the chance to watch either Mr. Lonely or Trash Humpers. Uh, I don't know.
0: Have you guys seen either of those? Yeah. I've seen Mr. Lonely, but not uh, Trash Humpers.
1: Okay. Have you seen Trash like, Humpers? Oh, you should have come over and we could have watched it. Um, <laughs> its It doesn't have much of a plot. Uh, it doesn't have a plot. It has three basic... It has four Trash Humpers, three you normally see on screen, one person behind the camera and a trash humper is a person in old uh a pretty good old uh man or woman mask uh humping dumpsters or uh showing kids how to uh, like uh, small children how to murder things right it's it's demented like it's uh uh it's a study in just the glee of of destruction They're very sinister, Uh, and you get a little bit of that documentary kind of um, feel from like Julian Donkey Boy or Gummo.
2: Well, right. That's what I wanted to mention is that I I always thought that Trash Humpers was a '90s work for Crin, and seeing that this was the one he did before Spring Breakers is really surprising to me because it kind of seems like maybe after uh, the I guess none of his movies are really that successful financially, but or at all. But um, Mr. Lonely seems like a differently, uh, different stylistically to Julian Donkey Boy and Trash Humpers seems like it might be a return to form of that kind of style.
1: Yeah, but also during this whole time and even to today, like he's doing other things, right? He had an art book come out. uh right. In 98, uh, that had photos of Macaulay Culkin in it. He has Past the Bitch Chicken that he was doing, like, in the aughts. Um And he has exhibits and other things that he's doing. He's not just working only in film. Right. So uh, he was probably doing things similar to Trash Humpers at the time. But you're right. Like, Mr. Oh, Lonely is okay. a pretty big departure. Do you like Mr. Lonely, Ryan? And then we'll get into Julian. <laughs>
0: No, um, I disliked Mister Lonely, and uh, after the one-two punch of that and Julian Donkey Boy, um, I just kind of gave up on him. I thought that uh, Gumbo was a one-off, uh work of genius, and uh, the whole uh, everything after everything in between gumbo and spring breakers feels to me um like an artist who really has no idea what he wants to do and so uh yeah i just kind of stopped uh messing with messing with harmony felt like uh he was getting a lot of uh attention you know the thing the knock on gumbo was that it existed to be tawdry and get uh, attention, uh, and just to kind of be trasploitation, which I very much disagreed with. And then I kind of felt like everything he did afterwards was just to get attention that he didn't really have an, have an idea. You may disagree, but, uh, obviously, but <laughs> that's how I felt about it.
1: Yeah. Just to clarify there, Ryan, uh, with Gummo, did you, do you disagree with the, uh, with that's what Harmony was doing with exploitation or you disagree with exploitation?
0: Um I mean obviously Gummo is an exploitation film but I think um it is like an individual a, to- a totally unique and incredible work of art I've never seen another movie assembled the way Gummo is and um I don't know if it was on Mike but the last time we talked about it uh I mentioned I compare it to the structure of Winesburg Ohio and there's really not another American director Who's made a movie with that kind of um, collage approach to instead of focusing on a character or a story, documenting a community by telling all of these only tangentially related uh, stories.
1: So you refuse to be part of our Missing Linklater podcast (laughs) where we cover the films of Richard Linklater. But I mean, that that seems like the story
0: of Slacker, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yes, I guess uh, I would say that Harmony Corinne does a good job <laughs> in in executing that. <laughs> I think I don't, I don't want to uh, start another fight where we we're gonna have a, a Russian doll set of disagreements. But besides Boyhood, <laughs> I really think Ladder is just like the worst. I I don't understand why people like his movies. I don't think there's anything interesting about the guy, he's a baseball player who got a camera good, like great job white guy.
2: Wait, what about, what about you don't even like, uh, for sunrise that trilogy.
0: I've never seen those. Oh, I don't, I don't really have a a desire to, but, um, but I know they're supposed to be good. And I know that's why everybody loves link ladder, which is the name of my sitcom. I'm currently working on, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, so I'll I'll try and check them out maybe one day, but uh, I really don't. Uh, I try to avoid his 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 stuff.
1: Okay. okay. So just to set the table here, uh, last show I we looked at your uh, letterbox review ah. of Julian Donkey Boy, and that's how all this got started.
0: Can uh, I say because this episode is not out yet, so I don't even know what you all said about my Donkey Boy.
2: Well, we made fun of you a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair
2: just like harmony corinne made fun of you right
0: he did yeah he's very insecure. he was i i felt it was it was uh based in insecurity but uh, you know
1: so you went and you did you, you saw julian donkey boy when it came out or at least uh in new york and he had A Q&A afterwards yeah. with him right
0: i i was in new york during um i don't know if it was the tribeca film festival yet or if it was the New York Film Festival at the time, but uh, Julian Donkey Boy was the premiere movie for the festival. Um, and uh, I was studying abroad, quote unquote, in New York City, um, with some friends. What was her name? We-,
2: <laughs> we made the same joke at the same time.
1: <laughs> I think right. has to buy us some coke. <laughs> Spring break! Spring
0: break, y'all! Um, so yeah, we went. We got tickets to the opening night premiere of, of Julie and Donkey Boy. Uh, at this time, Gummo was probably my favorite movie, so I was very, very pumped. Um, and there was a Q&A afterwards, and I got to ask uh, Mr. Corinne a question. And I can't remember what I asked him, but it was something to do with how much of a a departure donkey boy was from gumbo. And uh, I can't remember how he made fun of me, but he did mock me uh, in answering my question. He also didn't answer my question. He basically. It's
1: turn and point and laugh at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Rough, rough. Wow. So uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, bad.
0: (laughs) I wasn't upset about it. (laughs) Getting roasted by, by harmony. Corinne feels like, the type of interaction you want to have with him, right? Yeah, like, it's I'm definitely gonna on my to... bucket
1: list. So it's not yeah. just a grudge you're carrying, unlike Link Later, who beat you in baseball.
0: Once. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
1: Gosh, people get I left so it all on
0: the field that day. I left it all <laughs> on the field, Thomas.
1: <laughs> okay, so you want to jump into Spring Breakers then? You think we have enough table setting there?
0: Sure. Do you want to Do you want to litigate the donkey boy? Do you, do you have more you want no, to say like, about my feelings uh, about that? I am, I am, I am truly amazed that uh, it is his highest-rated film on on Letterboxed. It, it absolutely and, blows my mind. Yeah,
1: and so I think this is what we where we come in, uh, Ryan, being relatively close in age, is that we saw Gummo and had our minds blown, and we're hoping for a Gummo, and watching Dueling Donkey Boy again, ten years removed or so, fifteen years removed from the last time I had seen it, um, it 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 holds up as its own film and i think if i had watched julian donkey boy first and then gummo um i would have liked gummo maybe a little maybe even a little bit less than i do now interesting i think maybe just be the it's the order that you put him in but uh everything that you said about uh being uh julian donkey boy being a indie film and in the genre of indie film trying to be a european film i felt to be true of mr lonely like it's, it's probably my least favorite of his films, but still up there. Like, uh, I, I just, I won't ever probably watch it again. I think I've seen it twice now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it has moments. It has some ideas, <laughs> uh, it has a lot more plot and a bigger budget than any of his other films, but it's ultimately Jack. Um, I don't know one of his lesser works. It showed okay. that he had, he he could still put together a story behind a camera and right. that nuns falling out of planes on bicycles are awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, that okay. scene is really great. There are some great scenes in in Mr. uh Lonely. It's
2: true. Yeah, I will definitely watch it at some point.
0: I eagerly await hearing your guys's uh review of of Julian Docuboy to see if it's uh uh persuasive if I if I yeah, need to go back and, it, and take another I, I, look.
1: Uh we'll check back in with you later in the season. It's okay. definitely not <laughs> going
0: to be persuasive.
2: <laughs> it's mostly just us talking about like how good Werner Herzog is.
0: Yeah, that was the 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 Saving Grace was the um the stairs training and the the water the hose scene. Those yeah. those will those will live in infamy in my my mind for time immemorial.
2: Yeah, there was a time when Corinne was great at making indelible visual images that will stick in your brain and then he made spring breakers.
0: Wow. Huh coming in coming in hot.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, Spring Breakers 2013 US release. Uh that'd be the same year as well, nothing from Spielberg or Eastwood. Woo! But but you do have Joe with they, uh coming up. And they two other they films. knew that
0: they knew that Harmony was coming nobody wanted to compete.
1: Uh the energy. <laughs> uh, and so give a sense of like what else is out there right now. You could go watch uh, in 2012 Lincoln came out as well as Trouble with the Curve. Two great movies. Do so, yeah. uh, you have a quick
0: letterbox synopsis, Jack?
2: Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot I had to do that. Um, see. I've got it pulled up. Oh, do you want to read it?
0: Sure. Spring Breakers 2012, directed by Harmony Corinne. A little sun can bring out your dark side. After four college girls rob a restaurant to fund their spring break in Florida, they get entangled with a weird dude with his own <laughs> criminal agenda.
2: Uh, that's fairly accurate, I guess.
0: Oh, that's the end? Yeah. yeah that's, that's it. That's literally the, That's all they give you. <laughs> that's also okay. all the movie gives you. Wow.
1: <laughs> well, here's, so this is something that's crazy to think about here, Ryan. Um. He was 39 years old when he made this film. Jesus. And, uh, during interviews, someone asked him like, why do you think, uh, these, um, kid actors, uh, these people with a certain reputation, they, um, decided to do this film. And he was talking about Selena Gomez. And he said, he got an email from, uh, Selena Gomez that she was going to hop on a plane and come to his living room in Nashville to audition. And that her mom was coming with her. And her mom is younger than he was, uh, and loved his films. When she was growing up, yeah. So she had wow. seen Gummo, wow. like she was a fan, fi- like Gummo and uh, Julian, and was a big fan. And so her mom was like, "Yeah, I think you should do a project with with Harmony."
0: That's crazy.
1: And history was made, uh, and a great uh, film was made.
0: Uh, okay, so that's so. Should we level set about how? So Thomas, you're you are a fan. Is you are trolling me on the on the group chat?
1: Yeah, I uh, oh enjoy God. this film. And I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot to enjoy about it. I don't like it, and I think it's a, a departure. Uh, I don't like it as much as Gummo or Julian Dokey Boy, And I think it's a pretty ra- radical departure. But given um, Mr. Lonely, I'm I'm okay with that. I want to see what else he can do in this um, hyper fluorescent Miami vibe that he has going on. But Jack,
2: it's not as bad as i remember it being i'll say that <laughs> this is the film that I, when i watched a few years ago cuz it was a pretty big deal like i it made me not want to watch any other harmony corn movies and i'm glad that it's different stylistically from his other stuff because the style of it sucks but um it's not as bad as i remember it being and there's some there are some really good things about it it just it's just not it's like barely a movie. wow <laughs> it's like a good. It's a good thirty-minute film. If it was thirty minutes long, it would be a really good movie. But unfortunately, it drags on forever.
0: Huh. Um. Let's see. Uh, when Jenny and I watched it this week, that would have been my fourth viewing. Her second.
1: Okay. Yeah. Did you go out and see it in the theater? Because I remember walking. Yeah. uh R- Ricky and I were coming out of maybe the movie Dread or something. Uh. And- <laughs> And saw the poster for it. I was like, "What the fuck? Harmony Corinne's still around? And he's making this?" Uh, yeah, it was a shock. Like I was like, "Wait, this movie? How? how what did I miss?"
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I this was an opening opening night film for for me because uh, wow. the reviews had been so good, and I was eager uh, to welcome to welcome Harmony back into my heart. <laughs> Um I think this is one of the just to give uh my take Thomas. I think this is like one of the greatest American movies ever made and I think this is like the definitive movie of our time. Um, wow. Particularly when paired with Beach Bum. I think that these two are like the wow. one two punch of American postmodern cinema. I
1: uh am so excited to hear the what you it's going kind to of come forth for the rest of the episode because uh yeah I've, i just thought you having watched it four times was sufficient to say that you liked it but i didn't realize yeah. it was that big that hyperbolic
2: ryan can okay. i ask you a follow up question yeah of course is this the only movie you've ever seen
0: <laughs> <laughs> this and um avengers infinity war those are my two <laughs> And I liked Infinity uh, War, but I thought it could have been more spring breaky, you know? <laughs> Shorter,
1: totally at least. <laughs> this is the only film that Harmony's ever storyboarded, um, and they shot it pretty quickly. And, uh, I'm amazed that different-
0: it's storyboarded. That's that's impressive. I, I would have never guessed.
1: Yeah, they said that, if I remember right, it, it held to it about, uh, like, even more so than... Uh, the script for Julian and other things. I think it was something like like 90% of what he originally wanted made it in. And there were just a few scenes that were cut, like that were going to be in the uh, final release that are just ac- kind of extra time-wasting stuff of like the guys. Yeah. We see a guy and they have him pulling on his pants and he- he's got a big dick. And uh, like, you should be proud of that. He says, I am. So it's just a main <laughs> stuff like that.
2: Wait, Thomas, are you sure it wasn't like three more scenes of Selena Gomez calling her grandma?
0: <laughs> are those scenes available, Thomas? Uh, they're I on the them?
1: DVD. They're on the okay. DVD. So uh, the Spring Breaker DVD, which you can get from Multnomah County Library, shout out, um, shout out. has special features. A lot of them. Vice uh, put together a lot of different things, including a documentary on the uh, the Atlanta Twins. The Two twins Uh that are rolling with um, Alien.
0: Yeah. Uh, They used to be skateboarders.
1: And yeah. So they have like a whole 25-minute Vice documentary based off of them in three parts. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff on on the DVD, unlike uh, Beach Bomb, which has no special features. Oh, it also has a commentary track by Harmony. He's on it, talking about the movie as it goes along. Uh Okay. Uh So, uh, well, okay. So the... Movie gets pretty repetitive, and that's on purpose, right? Like, uh, that's if we want to jump into the plot,
2: is it on? Is it on purpose, or was this like he had no idea how to make it, a- <laughs> so he just did the same thing over and over?
0: <laughs> it's very much on purpose. He's re- repetition's a, a big thing for for harmony, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's like Clint Eastwood, and he just uh, like fell asleep or forgot what <laughs> he was shooting, and then he just shot it again and again and again.
2: Are
0: you uh, sure? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doesn't it doesn't it start with the waves? Isn't the first thing you see the ocean coming in?
1: And then it goes to uh what you would think of as kind of like a s all the slow-mo um beach celebration scenes, right? That then all of a sudden just go an- another level wilder with a bunch of toplessness and super sexuality
0: dubstep would have had to have been invented for the opening of spring breakers if it didn't already exist that is just the best use of music uh when the when the beat drops and it switches to from like a, an idyllic vacation to a hedonistic nightmare that's just like for me that is cinema <laughs> uh i i cringed really hard i thought that was embarrassing why so let's uh, say more jack
2: uh I don't like dubstep, and I don't think there is a possible good use of it in anything
0: <laughs> isn't that uh well no let me not not phrase it that way to me that's the point like this is uh an this is this movie's a nightmare you know like this is a uh a, a this is meant to be a disgusting and terrible in my opinion this is meant to be a disgusting and and terrifying trip through the american subconscious that's what it's it's you're not you're not this is not a, a revelry this film you know i understand
2: i understand what he's trying to do with the movie i just think like um it's <laughs> you're supposed to not like it is maybe not uh something that i i i just can't gel with it i just think it i don't know i guess we'll get into it as we go further through the plot but
1: sure sure Yeah, and uh, I think at the time, um, Dubstep was, like, peaking, right? Like It uh, it wasn't like uh, it had already passed its prime, and then we're we're listening to it. Like, this is something that, just like uh, Norwegian black metal and gummo, it's something that is kind of on the cusp, and many people hadn't heard yet. And so if you can imagine not really hearing Dubstep, and then seeing that in a film with those visuals, it's... uh, uh it's a it's a different experience i think than coming
0: at it a few years later yeah this was definitely the first time i had heard american dubstep i didn't even know i had heard a lot of the the british stuff but i didn't even know there were i did not know who skrillex was when i when i saw this oh if only you could go back to that time <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm able to live a pretty skrillex free life you know there were <laughs> there were some snaps there were twelve steps to get there, Jack. But it's working for me. It can happen for you. Have they
1: started like at the end of the film, uh, where they um, do uh, Cliff Martinez does a um, like a, a instrumental or a um, what am I saying an orchestra uh, or- orchestral version orchestral, of a yep. song. Have they started doing that for like
0: elevator music and uh, when you go shopping? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, Jack, I feel like an important, I guess for both of you, have you guys ever been to parties like the type of parties that are spring breakers? Yeah. Have you guys ever Uh, experienced that that side of American life? No, because they don't exist. (laughs) They very much do, my friend. The
1: closest I've ever come is I vacationed uh, in Tulum and stopped in Cancun for a day or two but not during spring break.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Some of the cool stuff that they do have on that documentary is the people of uh, Dade County or wherever it takes place um, talking about, like the mayor, talking about how much business it brings in and uh, how, just talking about the economics of spring break. And yeah, they just have to put up with obnoxious people for a few days out of the year and it's worth the trade-off.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's important to say, uh, not to be uh, correct you for correction's sake, Thomas. But this is Saint Petersburg. It's a very different part of Florida than than the Miami area. Um, uh, I thought the, Saint is Petersburg it the... was in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> the no, good that's, one ST.
1: Is... that's St. That's <laughs> St. Oh, uh, okay, Petersburg. Yeah, I got. Um, you. No, thank you for that. And um, they, uh, yeah, they, one of. The, parts of the uh, dvd was the redneck riviera so i'm guessing it's probably on the inside of
0: uh yes okay it's on the gulf coast
1: versus the atlantic
0: yes and it draws a very different um people from the east coast go down to miami to hang out and party and so it's a very much more like uh american elite uh, you know wealthy uh expensive drugs it's expensive clothing high art st petersburg is like um where uh east texas uh alabama and georgia go and mississippi go to party so it's a very ah. different vibe uh than the than the miami dade uh part of florida
2: i can buy the like the beach parties and stuff even though the way it's filmed is like headachingly obnoxious, but the part that really, um, which I was surprised because Karina is usually such an authentic filmmaker. The part that really bugged me is like the, the tour bu- or the, the bus that they're on when they're going down there, there's just like people standing up, holding drinks and dancing. And I'm like, are have they been doing that the entire time on the bus? Yeah. I just don't buy yes, that yeah, every half. It's like, have you guys ever seen Snowpiercer? The Bong Joon-ho? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, one section of the train where people are standing up 24-7 partying with, like, drinks in their hand. It's like, do you not sit down at any point? Is it, like, just
0: 24-7? This is how... So, uh, you know, I'm originally from Arizona. And this is what party culture is like down there. Um, And I've also been to New Orleans for... Mardi Gras when a lot of like white America goes to New Orleans, but they also um, quite often host uh, the NBA All-Star Game. And that is like Southern, just hedonism on a a level that I've never seen before in America, (laughs) but very much in line with this uh, movie. An an image that I've seen in reality that I wish I could have gotten somehow into Spring Breakers is... um, It's 3 a.m., all the bars are shutting down in New Orleans, and there was a girl on the corner, yelling and twerking with her ass up against a streetlight, just drunk as shit, twerking as if the light uh, pole was a dude, and it went on for ten minutes, and people were yelling at her, and and then she puked and passed out and fell over, and a bunch of her friends <laughs> came and grabbed her and and drug her back to the hotel. But that's like wow. That that was the culmination of of my uh, NBA All Star visit to to New Orleans.
2: Wait, so you moved from Fien- uh, from Arizona to the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, so you're, yeah. You're just like Bella from Twilight.
0: Yes, yes. One of the the many uh, the many affinities I have for Bella is her, is her <laughs> journey to to the the wooded wilds of Forks.
2: Okay, so I I buy. I guess I buy that this stuff is how that happens down in Florida or spring break or whatever. And I guess, you know, I get what Corinne is trying to say about it being destructive and about America and stuff. But like, I just feel like he could have made the, I do not feel like he could have made this movie and made all the statements that he wanted to make without it being annoying and obnoxious and repetitive and hard to watch. Or is that the only way that this movie works? Because I think you could make the same, uh, the same statements in a much better movie that is actually like cohesive, which I think he did in the beach bum, which we'll talk about next.
0: I definitely see what you're saying. I think the montage for all intensive purposes, right. This is a whatever, a hundred minute long montage. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I don't think he, I think like gummo, he's trying to hide the narrative in the film's overall structure. Um, I think the structure is more important to him than the narrative. And I think this is meant, uh, so I think he could have made all the same points in you're you're totally right, Zach. I don't even think it's an insult to say this could be a half an hour long uh, short movie and get pretty much all the same ideas in there. But it's structured the way it is, in my opinion, because he wants you to feel like you're on spring break. And the repetition, um, the, you know, intoxicated calls to grandma, um, all the shit that's in there that makes it, I think for you, hard to watch, um, I think is really what he's trying to get across about uh, the experience of Spring Break and ultimately what it says to go galaxy brain about America.
1: Hmm. Well, let's go yeah. So one of the things that Harmony says about the film is that he wants it to he wanted to create a liquid narrative. And he said like he he often will say like film hasn't really progressed since the days of uh, Griffith. Um mm-hmm. making uh just kind of a narrative film with claw uh with uh like things haven't jumped forward. And so I think this is one of his I think what's sly about the film is that he's able to create a film that multiple people can watch on different levels and enjoy for different reasons more. So, mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's like it, it does a natural born killers better than natural born killers. Interesting. Yeah.
0: That's a good, that's a good, that's a good parallel. I think, um, to the liquid thing. I mean, I think that's why the waves being the first thing you see is important because I think this movie is like watching the tide come in and then the tide come out. Um, and you're in the water. Um, so to speak um it's also uh you know uh ecstasy acid like a, a lot of drugs come in waves you know right. um the the experience of being on them um so i think that's also an intended part of the the assembly of of the movie is that you are uh getting hit with these very intense uh sections your overall dislocated and just kind of floating in this miasma. And then occasionally there's a a wave of, of feeling and, and sensation that takes over for five ten minutes at a time and then pulls back away.
2: One of the strengths of how he's able to do this is um, one of the, the films actually, I think only really good strengths is the cinematography. The, so this film and the beach bum were both shot by my favorite, Cinematographer Benoît Debbie, who's a great French cinematographer, who's worked with Gaspar Noé a bunch, um, and he shot. Yeah, you've Enter seen Enter the, the void. void, right? Yeah, and Enter the okay. Void is three hours long. It's obnoxiously repetitive. Um, it's I I feel like it is almost similar to Spring Breakers, but for some reason I love Enter the Void and I love Natural Born Killers, and I just think Spring That's Breakers amazing. has those great those great visuals to it. I just don't think there's enough sequences. Like, I just don't think he knew what to write for this movie because just the same thing, literally the same things happen over and over. And it just gets annoying to me. It just gets really annoying.
0: But it's important. Uh, it's, it's an interesting contract. First off, uh, off Jack, because, uh, I fucking hate enter the void. <laughs> That's like one of the worst <laughs> cinematic experiences I've ever, I've ever had, uh, I did wow. it did trigger flashbacks like I was hallucinating in the theater in <laughs> the first half an hour and that was pretty cool and then everything else afterwards I could have just it made me want to puke on my shoes <laughs> oh my god but I do see the similarities there and and I agree that they're kind of trying to do the same thing I think um the things that repeat how and when they repeat are very important for uh the themes of the movie but I'm not going to say that that makes it any more pleasant to watch the same thing over and over again, you know, like, yeah, I can you start, get that it doesn't work for you.
1: Uh, you don't actually start getting repetition until the phone call when they make it to Florida, right? Which is an interesting thing, because it seems like it's a glitch or a mistake the first time it happens, mm-hmm. at least to me watching it um, on the first go round and even on the rewatch. So you yeah you start off on the beach with the uh this montage this crazy montage super sexualized by the end of it and then you cut to we get the introduction to the four four leads of the film and uh four main characters who honestly it's interesting like it's I like how basic it is or how simple it is it's like we want to go to spring break and we don't have the money we thought we did Right and you have two people who um Faiths warned about like uh, but she's grown up with them. And we all have friends like that, perhaps, uh, who are just, uh, or at least at that age, who people are like, yeah, they're, you should watch out for those people. But you've, you've grown up with them. You don't know how wild they might go. Uh, well, how do you guys, yeah, how do you guys feel about that robbery scene or like that setup? Because it's, uh, they don't have money, then they do, and then they're happy. And then they go to, <laughs> go to spring break.
0: Yeah, Um. I think the robbery scene in of itself is just so the way it's shot as a as a woner uh it's watching from, from the, the car. car is yeah. yeah it's amazing Through the windows yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: that is a great scene
0: yeah that's definitely the like um sizzle reel sh- you know scene of the whole film I think um and I think it does set up one thing I was thinking about while watching it this time was um all four of these girls think that spring break means the same thing to all of them as just like a, a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really means something very different to Vanessa Hudgens and Ashley Benson's characters, the the criminally minded of the of the group uh, than it does to the other two. Like it's a really different, they're going to Florida for different reasons. Um, and they all kind of get what they were looking for in the end. Like, uh, to me, um, Selena Gomez and and Rachel Corin, uh, Harmony's wife, um, they are looking for the endless party, you know, the bonding, the celebration, all of the things that uh, Selena Gomez's faith idealizes about Florida before getting there, and the other two uh, are looking for like Grand Theft Auto. You know, they want. No rules to Selena Gomez means an endless hangout on the beach and right. no rules to the other two mean like a complete uh, transgression of societal norms, you know? And I think that discrepancy gets wider, obviously, as the movie goes on in a, in a very interesting way.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you see, uh, you see it from that distance. So you're not because you come back to that scene later and it has a very different feel. Um, from the inside, whenever they're reenacting it in the parking lot. And uh they have uh the Bitson and uh Corinne, uh, uh Brit and Cotty have I think uh Candy Hutchins on the ground and she's like, Don't don't hurt me, don't hurt me and Gomez is looking out of it, looking all all of it and uh realizing like what they did to get there and the people that they potentially hurt to have the fun that she's having.
0: Yeah, and at the beginning, you—I th- mean, at the beginning, I feel like when you're seeing it from the car, it is like a ballsy sort of like, "Wow, look at these tiny girls!" Like it's, it's like a, a, a joke. It's a—it's yeah. a prank, you know. Um, and then later when he shows you what it's like inside, like it would be terrifying. You would be scared of those girls, you know. Yeah. Uh, as as tiny and uh, adorable as America thinks they are they are truly uh uh you know terrifying in the, in that moment
1: i mean I think ever since old boy i have a terror of hammers that and <laughs> Mario Brothers.
2: i think literally everything you guys are saying about this movie is exactly why i love the beach bum so much and i just think the the beach bum has so much more and like pretty much every other movie has so much more actual uh, coherence to it, and actual sequences. Um, written a lot of. I've written a lot of stuff, I've written a lot of scripts, not to toot my own horn, but uh, none of them are good, and none of them have ever been made into movies, so Harmony Crin has that on me. <laughs> um, but I know what it's like to be writing and to be like, okay, I don't know what this scene is going to connect to this scene, so I'm just going to write some filler in for now, right? And what this movie feels like to me is almost, is like 90 minutes of filler. Like, there's a couple good sequences but so much of it just feels like I hesitate to say lazy because I know how much effort or this, but I just don't really see. Okay. It is, we're, we're um, kind
1: of through the first quarter of the film, maybe like, uh, <laughs> do you feel like any of that is lazy so far? Or like, where do you start to like, where do you start to your interest start to wane Jack uh, during the film?
2: I mean, I'm, I'm a, I I'm okay with the setup. I think it's a great, quick little setup and I love the robbery sequence and Really when they're on the, the party bus to Florida and then when they, they get there and start partying is really when I just feel like it starts to drag.
1: And then it doesn't pick back up or where does it come back for you? Where does it get its speed again?
2: The 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 saving grace of this film is the Britney Spears sequence. In, in the, <laughs> other, other than that, I don't really find any of the sequences that interesting.
0: I definitely think that it is supposed to be filler. Because again, I think this is a vibe movie, not a a narrative movie. I mean it is it does have a narrative um, and that is how he succeeded at somehow getting this over on America to make it a massive hit. but it really is a vibe, and so and the revi- the vibe of being in this kind of setting is a lot of repetitiveness and redundancy but not all of america likes to to take this many drugs you know not all, not all of america wants to to feel this way jack so i can sympathize with you for sure
2: yeah i guess uh, the question is can you make a move like this um without it being repetitive and maybe
1: you Okay can. so uh i'm going to be the odd man out when we eventually get to the beach bomb so <laughs> uh i want to i guess uh um talk a little bit more on this and just uh like you said ryan this is his most successful film at least financially right like he said i think i made more in a, like this movie earned more in a week than all my other films combined
0: yeah wow yeah
1: so even though mr lonely cost a little bit more money to make um the this five million dollar movie made 31.7 almost 32 million dollars so had a good multiplier uh-huh. on it um and i think you could watch this film at multiple different levels um, like we we've uh, repeated more we'll just keep repeating cuz it's hard to we just keep repeating ourselves <laughs> um but i think i wonder jack though if if this movie didn't have a, what you're calling filler would it seem too written like i think part of the film for me there's a sense of realism to the um lack of uh, s- uh set direction you know how, like in Ronin, uh, you get to move around, like the the target changes. I feel like this movie, the targets uh, changes until you get, to, I mean, even past Alien, right? Like you have you have four characters and two of them drop off the film, not
0: to be seen again. Yeah, because they they got to spring break. They had their spring break. I do
2: think it 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 does feel too written because the dialogue sucks, and that's actually a question I had for you guys: is like how much of this was improvised and how much of it was uh, stuck to scripts because a lot of the dialogue is terrible.
0: I definitely think a lot of it's improvised. Okay,
1: uh, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think a lot of the terrible dialogue that you hate, Jack, was was on a page. Interesting. Um, what happens during a scene, like the uh, the full blocking of things, like a lot of that's somewhat improvised, and what they decided to cut to and, and use is is always um, up for grabs. But no, I think that he he wrote out a lot of this dialogue Um, uh, (laughs) uh, up until the point where we get like, look at my shit.
2: If that's not spelling out the theme of your movie for your audience as loud as possible, I don't know what is. That's just ridiculous. How could, how can you defend that scene?
0: Come on. Well, it's hilarious. First of all, uh, yeah, it is.
1: Uh, so I like that you get Alien performing earlier on. Uh, I was watching it with the, you know, my better of five eighths, my wife, um, and she uh, was like, "Is that Franco?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." She's like, "Oh," and she thought he was just up there, maybe get, doing like a set or something because he doesn't come back for a while. They have to go and get arrested, right. and all these other things happen, and then even when, uh, yeah, so eventually he blows up out of and, jail, and then we get a very, I think, he's a fairly interesting character.
0: Yeah, and it's important to note um, that they don't remember him when they meet him again, even though they were at his show and like right in the front row,
1: and singing um, back
0: his song. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should we? I, I think you were trying to do this earlier, Thomas, and we kept railroading you. But should we just, since it is more of a vibe movie, should we tack off, tick off the the developments in the plot?
1: I mean, I think we kind of got there, right? Um, okay uh ultimately uh the four um our four heroines get uh arrested at a party and uh yeah they get bailed out by Franco and the twins and uh from there uh we start to have um the group splinter and people leave including Yeah so uh...
0: they mm-hmm. So they blow all their money uh having the normal spring break party. And um, I also feel like it's important I, because I'm uh, again, I'm not sure how much you guys have been exposed to this kind of culture, but to be clear, like all the stuff in the beginning of the movie, those aren't set shots for the movie. That is actual spring break, all the nudity, all the beer bongs, like that's all documentary footage, more or less. They did um, hire some, insane.
1: some models to come. Yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah. Uh, so they blow through the party, uh, and that's when, uh, Faith gets really, uh, and then they, they're out of money, they get arrested, Alien bails them out, and Faith becomes really uncomfortable because she just came for the party, and now the party's over, and the other three girls, uh, want to stay, and she decides to leave. She's, she's very bugged out by Alien, and there's a real, um, it's important to note. I too think. I, I think too that uh, this is the first time that Black people are part of the narrative, and uh, even though they make up a huge percentage of the population of Florida and this part of Florida, and that essentially Faith sees the first Black person and is like, "I'm going home." <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that that's uh, unintentional. You know that that she gets exposed to to the Black culture of Florida and is like, "Okay, this is not what I." This is not what I signed up for.
1: So she pieces out. Um, I, th- I think it's a great scene where he's, um, uh, whenever Alien's talking to Faith and is, because it seems like he's sincere and that he doesn't want anything bad to happen. And he's just, he's got all this money. He has no one to hang out with. Yeah. Uh, and he, so he got all this money through illicit means of slinging, right? um and probably yeah. some murder and a few other things when does uh when do we meet gucci mane
0: i think we meet gucci mane after faith has left um and he it's i think it's right after essentially right after the look at my shit montage is is your first introduction to to gucci
1: yeah inside the club right or the strip club
0: yeah yeah and there that's when the the concept of the rivalry um comes up and James Franco's um uh admiration or fixation or fascination with black culture is like uh concrete in the narrative by the introduction of his best friend and mentor um in drug dealing is is Gucci's role yeah who he uh, <laughs> uh alien took uh big
1: arch uh the, the Gucci main character swimming for maybe the first time when they were kids and then they had like yeah. they were friends ever since And yeah, yeah, he's he's trying to emulate them, but the town, like, yeah, uh, Big Arch doesn't like that aliens slinging at all, much less uh, on his territory, which is everything.
0: Do you guys know about the swimming thing? How, how, what that, what swimming represents in Black America? Uh,
1: Go ahead and tell us.
0: So, uh, after the new deal and like kind of the, the reconstruction uh, or the construction of, of the contemporary America as, as we know it in the, the forties and fifties um, the public pool was one of the big um, altruistic things to happen across the country is the building of community pools as a, as an outlet for the working class to, to have a, a way to, to recreate in the summer uh, that was free and local. Um, So they didn't have to take time off work or or go on vacation. Um, And then once America starts to integrate, um, community pools become uh, the site of a low-level race war. Um, A lot of pools in uh, neighborhoods that were integrating uh, shut down as opposed to let uh, Black kids swim in them. There was uh, occasions of people poisoning the water in the community pool um, so that it would literally like putting way too much chlorine in. So when the black kids got in, it would just burn their skin and, and be a really dangerous um, thing. So um, not to speak generally, and, and obviously I as a white guy, this is just stuff I've read about history online. I'm, I'm by no means an expert in the black experience or anything. But nationally, uh, in the 60s, um, generally speaking, a lot of Black people just stopped swimming um, because you couldn't get to a safe space to recreate um, in that way. And so uh, even in areas where there is a lot of water around, uh, and even in Florida, uh, there are a lot of uh, Black people who have never been in the water, who have never been swimming. Um, That's why it's also a big scene in Moonlight um is because oh, uh yeah. the father figure takes uh the young character swimming there for the first time and that in the in the context of moonlight changes the boy's life um right. to be able to have that experience um so uh one of the controversial things about spring breakers in the black community uh or at least the black critical community when it came out um was its perceptions of the black experience and The swimming thing is like a tossed off detail for white people, but that's like a big signifier um, for black and southern culture that that alien taught uh, Gucci to swim is like a a sign of their bond.
2: Wow. Yeah, Uh, we should we should get you on our history podcast. It's it's a
1: rap battle thing he wants to do. It sounds (laughs) (laughs)
0: like like the Hamilton approach to, to history overall.
1: Oh, no, it's like two historical figures with similar names or some overlap battle <laughs> each other and rap. It's it's never going to take off, Jack.
2: <laughs> well, I I didn't know that. I also don't think you should uh, need a, like have a PhD to be able to understand the bond between two of your main characters in a movie. But hey, that's okay. I mean, that's really no. interesting to no. know.
1: Yeah, I guess it's a Southern thing that you know, because Harmony Korean does come from uh, from um, the South. And so, yeah. and it's something that like, yeah, whenever Lee was giving swimming lessons, uh, she was giving it often to adults um, in Mississippi. And they almost all were black because they just never learned how to swim. Yeah. And so it took like a lot of, I mean, could you imagine like, to be an adult and then to like be vulnerable, be like, I don't know how to do this thing that children do it's it's a uh it's a humbling experience and uh yeah it's an interesting thing to um it's a it's it's, it's culturally known in the south i think and so did it translate outside of it to the angelic uh fork washington pacific northwest <laughs>
0: yeah uh, um i do think uh to your point jack um I agree with you that it's uh, unrealistic to expect the average viewer to know something like that. But I do think that uh, when Faith leaves, the movie does get much more involved in Southern Black culture and particularly perceptions of Southern Black culture through rapping, through the raps of people like Gucci Mane, who have mm. a huge white suburban fan base and are very much steeped in a in a majority Black experience in florida like i think the movie uh, maybe awkwardly transitions to being about those concepts in the south and away from this you know hedonistic view of of white america and and what white america likes to do when when there are no rules
1: yeah and so that will lead to uh, a confrontation in a um in a car between alien and uh the Gucci main character, which results in uh Vanessa, Vanessa Hutchins Candy getting shot,
0: right? It's uh it's Rachel Corin.
1: Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. It's Hutchins yeah. and Benson at the end. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Uh and so yeah. Uh she gets a bullet removed and takes off. Is she also the other voice? There's two uh characters who call and leave voicemails. For relative is she the other one?
0: I believe so. And it's uh, to your point about repetition, uh, Jack. It's uh, her con when she calls her mom. It's verbatim the script that Faith when Faith calls her grandma at the beginning. They say the exact same things, and the tone of voice um, is the only difference. Um, And it's a really fascinating comparison of. Uh, two actors delivering the same lines with ostensibly the same intent in a slightly different way and the difference in meaning between those two monologues.
2: I get it. It's still annoying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So are you brought back into the fold after she leaves and they become a uh, thruple, And uh, we get a hair... Uh, Franco put down some tracks on the piano, the grand piano.
2: Are you talking about when he's just playing the one note and like, yeah, that's about, me? yeah, that is that, that that's another scene that is just embarrassingly bad. I just, I hate it so much. Something about that is just so grating to
0: me. For me, I I a hundred percent agree with you, Jack. And when I like go off on my film theory tangents, none of those are made meant to persuade you that right. this is a better movie than you think it is, you know? Um, if you're not enjoying it, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion, what it all means. like if it's if it's just not good, it's not good. I think and this is the part of the movie in particular that really for me calls back to Gummo and where I felt like Corinne had finally found what I considered to be kind of his authorial voice because I don't think I think these characters are supposed to be dumb, and I think you're supposed to know that they're dumb. And so all the grading dialogue, all the dumb dialogue, um, James Franco's improvised song about chickens. I think this is just meant to get you where they're at. Like with Gummo, it's not meant to be. It's not part of a larger statement or anything. You know, it's just a. This is this is the characters we're following have low IQs and and a limited experience of the world, and this is how they move through it. You know,
2: he was able to capture that experience with both gummo and julian donkey boy i think and i mean if you don't like the if i don't like these the characters and i don't really care what's going to happen next i just can't see myself enjoying a scene that's already annoying
0: and that's 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 a, sh- a short summary of why i found it incredible that this turned out to be like a hit and kind of a cultural moment because it is such a uh specific uh statement you know right
2: yeah, and everyone my age that is into movies loves this movie. Like, a lot of my friends really love this. Um, they're, uh, yeah, it's, it's very much, uh, sort of that, that this, like, new A24, like, very neon kind of hangout movie is, like, sort of the, the popular thing amongst, amongst the youth these days. And uh-huh. I can see why this one is so popular, I guess, because it definitely has, a vibe it's just a vibe that i don't vibe with
0: yeah 100 percent.
2: and then we get to the, the terrible shootout right
1: well yeah, yeah i think maybe your squibs uh you, you don't like the squibs and that's why it, it, it docks another point or it's a it's the <laughs> uh uh straw that breaks the camel's back there jack is that uh exactly that. i i think that it's interesting that yeah you have these kind of morons uh Alien, uh, let me see, Candy and Brit. No, Candy and Cotty. No, Candy and no, Brit. Candy and, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's Candy and Brit. Yeah, it's Benson and Hedges. Uh Benson and Hedges? That's <laughs> yeah it's <that's> Hudgens, but <laughs> benson and Hedges is a cigarette. <laughs> it should be easy for me to yeah. remember now. Uh they decide to go take on Big Arch. Uh why again? I can't quite remember, but they decide to just go in and guns blazing and take all this shit before he goes
0: yeah because gucci makes it clear before the drive-by um that uh it's that he's gonna take out alien that like uh and then the drive-by is is you know the the first warning shot that if alien doesn't stop trying to grow his drug trade um gucci's gonna kill him yeah right um And, and uh at this point, I think it's important to remember what the girls were talking about before the restaurant smash and grab at the beginning. Um, to get pumped up, they're smoking a lot of weed, and they I think they snort some Adderall. And one of the two girls keeps saying, pretend it's a movie, pretend it's a video game. And then the shootout at the end is basically like playing Grand Theft Auto. Like, it's very easy for them they kill everyone immediately. Uh, people fall in dramatic ways, but it's not—they're never really in danger.
1: Well, that's Besides after Franco the- gets shot and straight dies within the first few seconds of their <laughs> landing, yeah. which is great. I, I yeah. it's-
0: he couldn't take it. This—he's—he's he's not. He was a uh, as the gunfilleting scene points out. He's just a a poser in this world. These two girls are fucking hardcore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something else that uh, the black film community glommed onto with this movie that I never saw any white critics really address is um, the use of black light in the shootout scene um, turns the tan skin of uh, Hudges and Benson black. They They are basically through the use of black light in blackface throughout the entire climax of the movie. And I think that it really uh, speaks a lot to the to the themes that, that Corinne's trying to touch on.
1: The appropriation
0: and... Huh. Their perception of what... Like I said, I think one of the things about the movie is that these girls all think they're going to Florida for the same reason. They think living in a uh, paradise for a week means the same thing. And then you get there, and Hudgens and Benson have a very different... Uh, perception of what they're seeking, which is much more like just living outside the law. The of what their freedom say. is, yeah,
1: yeah. The yeah. idea of freedom is very different between them all.
0: Which is yeah, they're wild. definitely going for a Mickey and Mallory situation.
1: Yeah. So what's interesting uh, watching them is that it's like a '50s uh, pulp um, crime book, right? Crime novel where they're born kind of wrong, or they're born evil in a way. Uh-huh. And because there's nothing, we don't really know much about their background or they don't seem to be victims. They don't, there doesn't seem to be any type of um force behind it except for that's what they want to do. And so there becomes a certain amount of inevitability. And typically in those books, there'd be a punishment at the end, but the best ones don't. Like the killer right. inside and things like that, they just, that's who they are. And that's how they're going to go out eventually. So it's that, interesting that um, they get a ride off into the the sunset.
0: That, um, that sparks uh, what, one of the things that Jenny and I talked about after this viewing, uh, Thomas. So right before they go on the shootout, uh, of course, because of the way the narrative is edited together, we don't necessarily know that that's the chronology of the event. But um, the, they're outside the convenience store and they each call their moms and they tell their moms they want to be better, they want to come home, they want to go back to school. Um, but we don't... Corinne doesn't tell us if that's what actually happens after the shootout. Um, And Jenny, this is all extra textual, so it's all projection. Jenny felt like they are permanently outside the law. They're like rebels and criminals now. Um, And I just love the idea that they got on a bus and went back to school and lived normal lives forever after this. Yeah. Good Southern Christian girls
1: what happens during spring break stays at stay break spring break
0: yeah they came for uh they came for this no holds barred experience of their white privilege and they check off all the boxes and then go home and now that they know their power in society they're just they're they're good to get back and go home and get married to a nice uh a nice chiropractor and and, and live their lives
1: <laughs> okay i'm with you now jack i don't like this film as much well yeah i think we got all the way through the film with our with our takes uh was there something else um uh global brain that you galaxy brain that you wanted to talk about there uh
0: ryan i guess just going into beach bum um to me spring breakers is the american idea of florida uh, the kind of Florida man perception of, 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 uh, that the, that the culture has of, of what life in Florida is like. And beach bum is like the native or residents. Like the people who live in Florida are the beach bums. The people who come to Florida are the spring breakers, you know, it's like, a, right a, the flip side of, of everything in spring breakers is the beach bum. <laughs> and
2: then That's it. Like, like maybe it's done better also.
0: Huh. I think they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You uh, guys just...
2: haven't convinced me, but I think this is a very civil disagreement. I still don't like it. It's not good. But <laughs> I, I can see why people like it, I guess. I just don't understand calling it maybe one of the greatest American films ever. But to each their own.
0: For me, um I, I totally respect your opinion, Jack. I would not try and persuade anyone to like any of Corinne's films if they didn't already uh, enjoy them on some level. Uh, for me, this Spring Breakers is like, um, this is like, to me, this is what white privilege in America is ultimately about. Like the Spring Breaker experience is what most white Americans, uh, it's our id, you know, right. um, just just set free. Um and it's ugly and it's stupid and it's repetitive and it's hedonistic and it uh, destroys towns. Um, it ruins economies. It's it creates Rolex. all sorts of. Yeah, it creates all sorts of social and racial divides. But this is like the American dream is is to go to, on spring break to to St. Petersburg, or in Arizona it was Lake Havasu City, and and all of the same shit happened there. That happens maybe here. Maybe
2: replace Spring Breakers with Natural Born Killers and you'd be like 100% correct. <laughs> I don't know. I get it. I get it. I just... It's I did, It's not done very well.
1: Well, how would Frankenheimer improve it, Is that, uh, Jack? Uh,
2: <laughs> God. Um, first,
1: up, first off, I think he comes in and he's like, she's got to take out her own bullet. You can't have Alien yeah. do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe at the end... Uh, 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 James Franco's best friend is like sitting in the in the in the the hot tub or the jacuzzi or whatever, and he's like, "You guys can't even tell me what you did this for." And then they like turn around and look at the pile of bodies and then shoot him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of um having just watched the train. I do like the idea of Frankenheimer setting Spring Break as like a procedural where like. You get on the bus with the girls and then they have to hit all the checkpoints to have a good party. Um, and it's oh, yeah, just like a methodical. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a uh, spring break is like a job in a, wow. in a John Frankenheimer I remember movie. <laughs> that's great.
1: Yeah. I think Gucci Mane could have come up to alien in the club and said, just without any context, I heard a man's feelings once. <laughs> Cause that's some cold, that's a cold shit.
2: Yeah. Are we ready for some Google reviews here? Yeah. Okay. Spring Breakers 2012. Ariski, meaning Aryan, says, Hello, hello, Harmony. It's nice to meet you. I'm the little wimpy council. You make the best movies as well. As you can see, that my favorite artist, Selena Gomez, was the main actor of your film. This makes me become addicted to pornography. (laughs) You're the number one spectacular director like the rest, and this message will always be remembered in my treasure
0: chest. (laughs) I love it.
2: Uh, Matthew the Awesome gives it one star and says this movie doubled my mental illness and I've never wanted to die more while watching a movie. Highly recommended to watch this if you hate yourself. God
0: awful. Incredible.
2: And then I'm going to leave, as is tradition on the show now, I'm going to leave my letterbox review live. I'm going to give it two and a half stars, and I'm going to say the best way to watch Spring Breaker is to turn it off and watch Beach Bum instead.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I think if you wanted to not have to watch all of Into the Void or uh, (laughs) Killers, you could just watch this film and you get two for one. Okay, that's fair.
2: Uh, Are we going to take a little break before we talk about the Beach Bum?
1: Yeah, I could, I could probably puke I, I some like more. To, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Spring break. Yeah. Spring break,
2: y'all. No harmonica this time, though. I lost it.
1: Oh. Riding the rails? <laughs> yes. I was going to see if I could do the little spot for uh, Get Our Conniption Nation um, uh, spot done. Oh, yeah. Just get it out of the way. Uh, you can always just like edit to this, right? And then we can edit back out to bring Ryan. Yeah, well, Right. Okay. Because that always happens when we say we're going to cut that out. <laughs> well, yeah, they sent this here. Conniption Nation sent this for us to read. I, I'll just, okay. I guess I'll just read it like this. Um, uh, being part of the Conniption Nation. Uh, Nation, the good, the pod, the ugly. uh this week is promoting the Sunshine Acid State Tourism Board. Let mm-hmm. the Florida Keys unlock your heart, and St. Petersburg, Florida, be the spray of Narcan in your nose. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but that's uh, that's what they wanted us to read. Wow. Kids, a lot better at this than uh, than I am. Uh, he puts like a little uh, uh, Irish on it, or. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He beats his
2: wife.
1: Oh. <laughs> Alcohol is poison. Don't drink too much of it the night before you record a podcast.
2: Uh, did you try a prairie oyster?
1: I have not yet. No. <laughs> I, I do have all the ingredients. I have all the ingredients. I just don't know if I have the stomach for that.
2: Oh, it's they're actually pretty good. Okay. Like I've drank them before as like a quick breakfast.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're training for something like you're like Rocky, just a <laughs> small egg and some horse well,
2: <laughs> I'm I'm training to fight Ryan now, I guess.
1: Now in this fight, like when you're training, are you uh, using all the newest high tech gear um, to to train, or are you like picking up logs in the Alaskan wilderness, Siberian wilderness, and like throwing them? And, Actually, neither.
2: Uh, my, my training um, consists of just drinking. The raw eggs, like that's all I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, you might if if you're battling him, maybe in like a Cool Hand Luke challenge, that that'll work. But
2: I have not seen that movie, so the reference is lost on me.
0: Wow. Hello. 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 Sorry, I had to check in with the uh, wife and kid. Eleanor just had her second COVID shot this morning, so oh, Jenny is the... also hungover. So thank you. <laughs> I.
1: Uh I'm about to take this prairie medicine, I think. See if it helps me. <laughs> over. Prairie medicine? Uh I don't know what it's, it's called. I was gonna call it a wing in a prairie, but I don't know.
2: Oh, it's it's a raw egg yolk in Worcestershire sauce with like a little hot sauce dashed in.
0: Is that for real what you're doing? No. I'm not gonna drink <laughs> that.
1: I, I wouldn't trust anything that Jack says to put it in my body. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to talk about the beach bum well, yeah, yeah so instead of the beach bum the next movie that was supposed to come out after or uh, harmony was supposed to work on after spring breakers um was a miami based revenge movie starring robert patterson and al pacino
0: what but, Fuck. Uh,
1: yeah he said that but that's on pause uh I had an issue with one of the actors. He says, I've never had an easy time making movies. It's always been like warfare. So I don't know which one of which those would
0: have been. It's gotta but, be Pacino. Yeah. Yeah. Pattinson, so Pattinson and Corinne seem like a match made in heaven. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: I, I think that they would really hit it off. I don't know how <laughs> Harmony's wife would, would treat it, but. Well,
2: he uh, does like, like people that are uh uh way way younger than him that's <laughs> true it's true
1: yeah but again he's like just now in his 40s like i don't know how i, I don't think it meets the half half your age plus six requirement <laughs> but it's not like yeah it's not like some of the creepier directors we've, we've covered and and their younger uh paramours um oh yeah so, yeah, Beach Bum 2019 finally came out uh, uh, for wide release. I think it was done shooting in 2017. Um, and the role of Moondog, apparently, was supposed to be for Gary Oldman, who turned down...
2: That's right. Do we know why he turned it down?
1: Oh, uh, thank God. I, I, I don't. Uh, he would but have been good. The first thing well, that, that that happens when you turn this film on is that you get seven production companies, if I counted correctly. <laughs> And you know what that means? It's gonna be a terrible film.
0: Oh. What? No. Uh, all 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 European financed movies have like seven production companies though.
1: Yeah, point taken. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. Coming for you, Godard. You motherfucker. <laughs> I it's not that Oldman wouldn't have been good in this role. It's that Matthew McConaughey was born. To play the beach bum.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: Like, this is the ideal... The one-two punch of this and True Detective is just, like, the totality of... I guess you have to throw in the Wolf of Wall Street scene. And you have a complete right picture of, of the man that is the McConaissance.
2: Right. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, I... Th- this is, like... Honestly, just rewind this episode, whoever's listening, to what to everything Ryan said about Spring Breakers. But then, like, pretend that I'm saying it about the beach bum, and that's,
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's uh fascinating, um along those lines i don't uh i don't I don't mean to get too off off script if I am, but uh, when I first saw this, um, I thought it was okay, you know, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a big step back from Spring Breakers, and I was worried that another Mr. Lonely was on the horizon for harmony Corinne, but um. Seeing it post-pandemic and my whole philosophy uh, and outlook on the world has changed, and uh, I, I I saw it for the scales fell from my eyes, hmm. and I saw it for the the masterpiece that I believe.
1: Huh. So this is your second viewing. Did you watch it in the theater?
0: Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw it uh, again the weekend it came out because I was so. Even though it's five years later, whatever, seven years later, I was still I was still riding the high off Spring Breakers. I was very eager to see what he did next.
1: And I guess I just passed on it at the time. I said, no, thank you.
0: This was, um, I didn't invite you Thomas, because this was in the period where to get to the movies, I had to, uh, it was like random holes in the day because Eleanor was so young. Got it. So like, this was like Eleanor goes down for a nap on a Sunday and I walk to the Cineplex and and see this and come back, you know, 20 minutes after she wakes up. You
1: didn't take her yeah. with you.
0: <laughs> no, I should have. If I felt if I felt uh, uh, the way I feel about the world now, back then I would have tried to to bring her in. Yeah, give her her first uh, her first exposure okay. to, uh, uh, to the, the philosophy of life to the moon dog. Yeah,
2: I guess okay. um, I should I should maybe read the the synopses. Yeah, Letterbox. Okay, The Beach Bum 2019, directed by Harmony Korine, 95 Minutes, You Gotta Go Low to Get High.
0: An yeah. An irreverent comedy
2: about the misadventures of Moondog, a rebellious stoner and lovable rogue who lives large. That's not entirely
0: accurate. I wouldn't call him lovable.
1: What? I think he's supposed to be. No. I think the film thinks that he is.
0: No. I think he is. I think he is, and I think the film thinks he is. I mean, this is to to give a little context right like after spring breakers harmony Corinne moves to florida and the beach bum to me is very much an autobiographical albeit exaggerated film you know um and and i would like to be the moon dog you know well <laughs> like
2: like any of the best uh thinly veiled autobiographical films like all that jazz which i just rewatched it's made by someone who has an exaggerated view of them that they're, that they're showing the world kind of like maybe Kyle McLaughlin's character in twin peaks is supposed to be for David Lynch. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, I feel like the best versions of those stories are always someone who is aware is very self deprecating and is maybe not so full of themselves. And I don't expect, I, it's weird to to not ex- expect that from Harmony Korine because he does seem a little bit full of himself sometimes. Um, But I think that this is a a horrible, horrible main character. I think he's a complete sociopath. And I was not expecting the film to go as far with it as it did.
0: Wow. And you like the (laughs) film.
2: I love it. I I think it's a masterpiece. I think this is one of the best depictions of 21st century America that we've, we've had so far on film.
0: But you don't. So what makes you, why do you dislike... I agree with everything you're saying, except the part where you don't like Moondog. <laughs> like, well, he's supposed
2: to, he's entertaining and he's he's a great character and McConaughey plays him really well and he says a lot of funny shit, right? But the whole movie you're watching him bulldoze through everyone's everyone's lives around him and just be like this horrible hedonistic destructive force of nature that pretty much ruins everyone's life with any like too out of his mind to even notice or to.
1: Cool. Even same, I I think you're you're ninety percent of the way there, Jack. But I am going to take some issue with that because I don't think he ruins other people's lives. Um, I think they continue to look like he drops in and drops out. And the weird thing for me for this movie was that it's like a hangout movie in many ways. After mm-hmm. the after his wife dies, and it's like Fletch or Pee Wee Herman or Forrest Gump, like they're the characters who just kind of uh, have this magical power to and in the movie and by movie logic to just kind of like be stinkers or be observers and just go through like Zelig like just travel through the movie uh like like they're with like Teflon coding and not have anything affect them
0: and i i think i agree with what you're saying thomas for sure um you may take exception to the reality of uh because i feel like we're pretty much steeped in in moon dogs' Uh, point of view in the movie. So this could be uh, him being an unreliable narrator, but one of the things that I found unbelievable the first time I watched it and utterly lovable the second time was that everyone, to my mind, everyone in Moondog's life accepts him, consents to him coming in and wrecking everything. Like that is what they want from him in their worlds. And that it, I feel that it helps them. He's like a, uh, I guess it is like a, a force Gump is a good comparison. <laughs> in that, <laughs> uh, I feel like everybody's lives are made better by by Moon Dogs coming around. You know,
2: his wife dies because she drives drunk to go pick him up after he wanders off.
0: Yeah. Well, they've been having a good time together. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like, isn't Isn't that I feel like that's the way she wanted to go out. (laughs) Like,
2: Uh, (laughs) maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but I really felt like this was not supposed to be the good guy, at least by the end, because I just feel like every little vignette that he has, um, all those different characters, he, he ends up like, like, it really does seem like he ends up destroying everything to me. And I think that that is really punctuated. By the
1: ending yeah i guess what the reason uh i have i'm not, i don't enjoy the film um wow. is, is because of everything you just saying there uh um jack and uh, like mcconaughey is like a stoner boomer who has this like weird entitlement like the world has to change to him and uh he's given everything like he he married rich and, uh, even though he becomes a bum, becomes without a house, uh, unhoused, he still like takes, um, the world still revolves around him. Right. And yeah, there's just so many, like this, uh, the scene where he marches into back to his old house with, uh, his, uh, entourage of, uh, <laughs> follow bombs uh is uh it's just it's just it's pure cinema right like there's no um there's no realism to it right. to almost any part of this movie but it's also not wow. over the top uh bombastic right it's not a pineapple express or other type of comedy of of that ilk like it doesn't go super huge or even farcical so mm. Yeah, no, I think I, I think like, the thing that's really hard for me, and I think if it's uh, this would be a better film if we didn't have Jonah Hill, Zach, uh Efron or Martin Lawrence's character in it.
0: I don't I don't like the Martin Lawrence bit. Um, so I, I, I feel you there. I, I, I Yeah, that's easily uh, the
2: worst part of the movie. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, So you don't Thomas, you don't think there are people in the world who go through life this way.
1: I I think that there are people who might go through life this way but not in the uh not with in the sequence of events that we see in this film. I think that there might Same be morning. Okay. So uh th- this is a film about a poet who uh admits to uh his his friend uh who is also sleeping with his wife uh lingerie, right? Or uh, uh, yes. dog character, lingerie, um, and uh, that he's like cribbed a lot of his po- poems, and every poem yeah. in the film is somebody else's poem that he that he recites as though it's his own. So maybe in the logic of the film, he actually wrote those, but uh, it could also as easily be that he has just stolen that work from somebody else and is the yes. persona behind it that allows for it to be. Um, popularized i don 't see any reason for him to have the status that he does because he doesn't seem to have the talent, but I do think that there are people who like who are uh charismatic and drip through life and let the universe kind of come to them but but the only thing I really found uh, I, I found fascinating about the film or I, I really enjoyed was the dynamic between um uh, moon Dog's wife Minnie. And uh Moondog and he that he knows that she cheated on him but doesn't say anything when she comes to pick him up and doesn't say anything and she dies without him ever confronting her about it. Right. And he's okay with it. Like he doesn't have to have that grudge.
0: Yeah, they're they are uh not to drag personal stuff into it, but they are they're I mean they're essentially an open open relationship, right?
1: Well it's not fully it's, stated. It's, it's
0: never verbalized, but they have a tacit she knows that moondog is moondog. And he's moon every girl in in the Florida Keys, <laughs> uh, and so when he finds out that his wife is sleeping with lingerie, he comes. He's initially uh, shocked by it, but he comes to terms with it pretty easy. There's no,
1: yeah. Um, he goes and he goes. I think into of the, the mafia
0: movie where uh, the Tony Soprano type characters fucking every lady in town, and finds out that his wife looked at somebody and and flies off the handle and it it becomes a huge melodrama.
1: And you think that that could be a part, like that could be a place that the movie is going to go, a direction. Whenever he goes in the swimming pool and he has kind of like a um, big Lebowski moment where he has the joint above the water and he's swimming and then you come up and and take a hit and then go back down. Um, But then he's like, it's like Mm -hmm. a little baptism instead. And he gets out and he dances with his daughter whose wedding is the whole reason he came back to his family um, from his voyages. Uh, Okay, Um, so that said... Can you defend like just the weird shit of the Martin Lawrence character, the Zach Efron stuff? Like, because what everything that you, uh, uh, Zach, uh, Jack was saying that, about this being like, uh, Spring Breakers being filler, this all feels like, this feels like filler. Like there's uh, all these other characters. No, he's,
0: he's on like an Odyssean journey. It's like the book Ulysses. Yeah. All of these characters play an important role in, the, the character study of, of Moondog. Just to back up a little, Thomas, I agree, I think it's a weird and interesting choice to make him a poet, but isn't all aren't all of your critiques of Moondog as a celebrity and persona true things that people have said about Harmony Corrit. That he is talentless, that he doesn't, that he uh, is is riding a wave of other people's artistic merit that he doesn't really deserve any renown.
1: I don't or- know. I mean, people, uh, uh, his lovers loved him in the '90s for being young, for being innovative. For I mean, like he was. There's was a reason he was on Letterman multiple times, right? Like he was seen as this prodigy.
0: Well, yeah. So I mean, Kids her- was a phenomena. That we uh I don't know if you guys talked about kids in the previous episode, but kids was an absolute cultural a watershed moment as a as somebody and who was in high school when that came out that was like a yeah. a huge deal um right but gummo was i mean if you go back and read the reviews of Gummo, it's like the most merciless um treatments, and you know that for being the first film of uh somebody who had become. An an art and indie world darling. I mean, Gummo was dumped on video. You know, it did not get a national theatrical release, right? Um, yeah. And it was it was really uh, ravaged by critics uh, at the time, which I think is up until Spring Breakers. I think a lot of his work has been received received that way.
1: That might be why on the back of the DVD for the Beach Bomb that you can check out from Multnomah County Library, shout out. Uh, yeah. It says. <laughs> The Beach Bomb is a refreshingly original and subversive new comedy from director Harmony Corrine. Kids, Spring Breakers, as is too correct. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't direct kids. So, yeah. yeah, forget about all those other films.
0: But you can go back, if, if you go back and see kids, you can see what's Harmony Corrine and what's Larry Car- Clark. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty well defined. I know Harmony disowns the movie, but... I think there's a difference between being ashamed of your work and feeling that somebody else rode roughshod over your ideas, you know?
1: So what am I missing here, guys? Why is this? Uh, I chose it because I hadn't seen it before.
0: Okay. Oh, interesting.
1: Um, and I also I- wanted to pair something, I mean, Spring Breakers. It, uh Mr. Lonely doesn't really fit. Like, I feel like Gummo and Julian are of a piece. Right. And having watched Spring Breakers and everything that I had heard about um the Beach Bum before watching it and afterwards still great that this is probably the case, that those two are of a piece. Maybe even for a Yeah, yeah you- very much so. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh Trash Humpers, not quite a film and doesn't quite fit um, nor would Mr. Lonely uh yeah. into any of those. So that's why I picked this pairing. Uh but I'm yeah, I was hoping, I had high hopes, like, <laughs> pun intended, high hopes uh, for <laughs> uh, The Beach Bum, and instead it felt like a 70s, like, uh, it, it makes sense to me that he praised, uh, we talked about this a little bit last episode, Clint Eastwood's Orangutan movies as the <laughs> original. And this oh, is, yeah. that's what this felt like. It felt like a 70s Cheech and Chong kind of movie. But Very without so. it's but but without yeah. But totally just weird, right? And I think uh, that's mainly the Zach Efron and the uh Martin Lawrence scenes that is why it, it just pulled me out of the film. Yeah.
2: I don't think Zach Efron isn't really in it for that long though, and neither are Jonah Hill or Martin Lawrence. I'll agree that the Martin Lawrence scene was not the best. Uh it's probably the only thing I didn't really love about the film. But like him and Zac Efron, they break out of that rehab facility, and then they like beat the shit out of some random old guy and take all of his money. Like, it's horrifying, right?
0: Moondog Moon yeah. doesn't. Moondog doesn't beat the guy. He is present and he has agency and could have stopped it, but right. he doesn't take part in the violence. I think that's an important distinction to make.
2: He does seem like too stoned out of his mind and uh, drunk and high all the time. To really care about anything that's going on, or at least on the surface, and I don't think this is like a a situation where it's some sort of. Which I was hoping this is the direction the the movie wouldn't go, and I'm glad it didn't. That he's some sort of broken character that's using all that as a mask. And if Steven right. Spielberg directed it, there'd be a scene where he's sober at the end, and he goes and hugs his daughter and cries about how he was an absentee
0: at, father at whatever. the gravestone. He they go they meet at at. Uh... In the rain, at um, (laughs) Minnie's Minnie's gravestone, and he collapses onto his knees and apologizes (laughs) to his daughter, and hugs the gravestone. And the movie, he as he hugs the gravestone, the camera begins to pan out, and we see the broken beach bum, forever regretful (laughs) in in the graveyard, just 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 basically making love to Minnie's grave, and that's Uh, that's the Spielberg ending.
1: And that might be a little bit like trash humpers, depending on how he's making love to it. Um, <laughs> the uh, um, he also wins what a Pulitzer.
2: Yeah, that's something that I loved at in, in this is that like the the kind of uh, absurdist logic of Spring Breakers, where they're in front of the judge, but they're all still wearing their bikinis. Like that stuff didn't really gel too well with me. Uh, but I think in this, the point after his wife dies, and it's like okay you have to go on this quest and write a new book. Otherwise you don't get any of her stuff like that is really absurd. And the way it comes together with him winning a Pulitzer at the end for a poem that uh, presumably isn't even his is just like ridiculous, but I, something about it uh, worked for me. I got it.
0: Can I, can I, can I riff for a second on what I think is going on in the, in the movie? No, what else do we got? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I don't. I don't want to just derail derail everything. By uh, anyway, so um, I think that Spring Breakers is about hedonism, but it's an indictment of hedonism. And I think Harmony crin is a hedonist, and so the beach bum is important because it goes back and corrects the record and says you can live this lifestyle. Is not bad. Like I think he's saying. I don't think he's holding Moondog up as like a model for society, but I think he's saying like, this is a guy in the world and there's nothing wrong with this guy. Like this is a a person and he's fine. Like he's good in in the world. So I think it's really a defense of hedonism as a life philosophy. And um, I think Corinne is honest and in taking the good for the bad. So Moondog, um, you know, hangs out. Moondog will basically hang out with anyone who likes him. And that means he ends up with the homeless, he ends up with people who are in really definitively awful situations personally, um, but they are not judgmental of him. And so he will go anywhere where he is allowed to be free, um, in his in his schema of the world, that does end up with him being in situations like with Zach Efron and like Martin Lawrence, where terrible things happen and Moondog's way of being makes it impossible for him to intervene. Mm-hmm. And I think that Harmony Corinne is like drawing your attention to the fact that like sometimes terrible shit happens and Moondog's responsible, even if he didn't do it. Like with the mugging and Zac Efron's uh, mugging, he could have stopped it. He could, he should have known better than to let this happen. But he's just incapable of that higher level decision making, and that is also what makes him a beautiful soul in the world. To get you know hippy dippyish about it,
1: yeah. I mean, I think um, I understand, and what I like is like uh, that centralism, right? Like it's it's uh, it's a pra- in praise of. Um, yeah, a little hedonism, uh, as long, especially when and- it's not fully at the expense of others. And I think you get that. Like, there's a scene where him and his wife are like there are uh, after the wedding, and she's picking up before um the car tra- cra- uh, car crash scene, uh which is kind of happens off camera and is done. I think I I love that editing for it. Um, mm-hmm. where it's almost like a musical, but without lyrics. Like nobody's singing, uh-huh. but he's using music. Um so well that it's like a it's like a musical um without being a music video. Um right. and, but I think that what my big hiccups are with the film, uh Moon uh, whenever Moondog pushes the tuba player into the water, it's funny. Like <laughs> it, it, I, I didn't think I would think that, that would be funny, but it's hilarious. Mm. But when the Zach Efron character pushes somebody in the water, it seems kind of mean. And yeah. there's a magic to all that happening. I, uh, at the end of the day, just do, I, I don't, uh, it'd be great if somehow they could go from like the car wreck to the nonsense at the end of the film where he wins everything and then he burns his boat and gets rid of all the money, um, without having to do this travel meeting all these different characters. Um, that's that's interesting to me.
0: So that's fascinating because um, I 100% see what you're saying there, right? So Minnie dies and it's Moondog's fault and he has to go to rehab. And it's, I think it's really clever how Corinne tucks that into the middle of the movie where there is a threat that this becomes a very traditional narrative, uh, essentially castigating Moondog for his lifestyle. He gets sober he gets repentant and it all leads to the graveside scene, the Spielberg Uh uh, graveside scene. And Zac Efron comes in and Corinne is saying like, no, fuck that. Like there's nothing wrong with Moondog. He's going to go out and accomplish his goal the way he wants to, not the way the world and society says he ought to. And I think those different, uh, the episodic nature of what happens afterwards is certainly hit and miss. I think the thing that stops this for me from being like a masterpiece on the level of spring breakers is the Martin Lawrence stuff, um, which I think just plays poorly. And I don't think Martin Lawrence is funny anymore uh, for better. or yeah. worse. Um, uh, but short of that, like I think it's like uh, he goes on this journey to get back to himself Um and you just never see our country is so moralistic and to see this full throated defense of, of Moondog as uh, a true and valid character that is wholly American and is worthy of praise is like a really uh, rebellious in, in its own way. No, absolutely. I,
2: I I, th- I, I think we have the opposite reading of the movie. I don't
0: think your reading is wrong,
2: but it's just interesting that we could watch the same movie and, think it's saying something that's so different because I really think that this is a, a horrifying, like total indictment of heat.
0: Fascinating.
2: I don't think anything about this is saying at all. What Moondog is doing is not to be black and white about it, but right. I I think it's, it's definitely saying that his lifestyle is completely uh, ballistic and destructive. And, I just think it so cleverly uses this sheen of like a hangout stoner comedy to really give you this disgusting portrait of, of America and of like what rich people like, uh, James Franco's character Alien in, uh, Spring Breakers can get away with just because of their personality or their wealth and their fame.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I think that. Corinne wants to have Ryan's reading of it, but I think the reason that uh, I, it's not, you know, top tier for me, Harmony Corinne, is that I, I think I'm have more of a sense of yours, Jack, because uh, like his daughter says, like uh, to the husband that she eventually leave, she marries this dude and everybody's like, that guy's lame. And then she's like, oh yeah, he's lame. She says something to her husband at one point, like my dad is a visionary and an amazing artist. And you'll never be anything like that. It's, it's like an offhanded <laughs> comment. I don't, I don't have it verbatim there, but it's, unearned, it just feels unearned throughout the whole movie. Like I don't hear him. I, I just don't see his, uh, and I'm glad that we don't have like a, a it's like, um, kind of, uh, Naked lunch and that it's not really about writing the book, but it is, but that's what's happening in the background uh-huh, um, right, huh? uh, for this movie. I like that. We don't get a new poem at the end. We get the one that he's already done uh, performed uh-huh. for us at the beginning of the film. Um, so there's a lot of things that it does not. Um, there's a lot of things I commend about it. Everything you just said, uh, Ryan, that it uh, decides not to do or what it is in praise of. Uh, I just, it's hard for me to watch the film and, and buy it, I guess, and to enjoy it.
0: But if, if you think about it, so a lot of, not everything you guys are saying, but a lot of what I, uh, uh, what I initially thought of the film is, is much closer to what you guys are saying than, than how I feel about it now. For me, it's hard to separate that from some big changes in like philosophy that I've gone through personally over the last, uh, five or six years. Can you not see McConaughey as Corinne's imposter syndrome guilt?
1: Well, what's interesting then is that he leaves rehab. So <laughs> I'd like Corinne who went through rehab, right? And then he also burns down the ship at the end with all the money in it. <laughs> just like he did right, two of right. his houses to start over again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, To be clear, Corinne is not sober anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't been as far as I... No, I think, uh, I mean, Jimmy Buffett is a real life friend of Harmony Corinne. I think Snoop Dogg um, was brought in. I don't think they knew each other before the movie, but uh, a lot of the people in the movie are Harmony Corinne's friends that he lives in, you know, he has a place in the Keys and I think he has a place in Miami. Uh, And... uh, so I think this is his attempt at his authentic experience of of Florida life. Right. And, uh, I think he does think he's a fraud, but he makes this stuff and people love it. And he can't control that. Like that. I have this galaxy brain take on who the fuck knows what Harmony Corrine thinks spring breakers is about. Like everything I think it's about, you know, does Moondog think that that's what his poems about? I have no idea. (laughs) Like, you know, like, um, and that's that's very much the way I saw it this time. is like, oh, this whole weird thing about him being a poet is just because Harmony Corinne has had a thirty year long career at this point and has no idea why some of his movies go over well and why some of them are hated, like he's right. just out there being the moon dog and and making what he makes, and sometimes people love it and sometimes people hate it, but like this is his journey, you know,
2: yeah, I guess that's why maybe. Maybe he isn't saying that Moondog is uh, a horrible person, but it's kind of hard for me to think that's not what he's saying because have you guys seen Blowout, the De Palma movie? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh well spoilers for that, I guess, but the ending of that uh that film where John Travolta uses the actual death scream of the woman that he was in love with, uh, just to to sell for a movie to make money, right? I think that this film does something very similar because he puts that poem that he had written before the death of his wife, presumably not even that he had not even written, and it wasn't even about his wife, um, in his new book, and that wins him a Pulitzer. So he's like using, uh, he's playing with people's emotions, basically, to, to what end? To make money? Or for fame? Because he blows it all up at the end anyway, because it just seems like either way, doesn't really have it in him to care. Like he just doesn't have that basic emotion of empathy or he does but it's just broken or something like that.
0: I think he's very empathetic. I don't think he's capable of making choices. I don't think he has the ability to control the direction of his life in in even the most fundamental manners. He can't even make it to a bed when he passes out, right? Like Right. This is a this is a person who uh, I think he genuinely loves everyone. He's unable to care for anyone, including himself. And that is the best yeah. and worst thing about him. Is that um, you know, I was uh because I really loved Moondog this time around, I was so frustrated with him at the end when he when all the money burns. But like, I truly think he does not care. And As a society, we bring a lot of judgment to this type of person being in the world, but he's fine with it. Everybody around him loves him for it. So what are we... The judgment that you're bringing to the movie, is that something that's in the story or is that your reaction to it? I think is an open question. I don't think there's a... I'm not trying to tell you your experience of what you saw. Yeah, I also think it's great that you guys have the flip... Uh, the flip perception where Thomas, you love spring breakers and didn't like this (laughs) one. And Jack likes this one and didn't like spring breakers. And they are very, you know, uh, I think that totally makes sense. You know? Yeah.
1: Oh, I was going to see if we had some Google reviews.
0: We've got a couple somewhere. Let's see. Most of the Google
2: reviews for this film are just like totally unhinged. And just like people saying it's the worst movie they ever saw and that they had to walk out of the theater and get their buddy back, and I guess that's good that this movie pissed a lot of people off. I love um, it. Riley Warren gives it two stars and says, This movie panders to stoners in a much more fundamental way than most stoner movies do. The main character, Moondog, never faces any consequences for his actions, and everything comes easily. Somehow, this guy is a genius poet. He wins a Pulitzer Prize for the poem book that he finally gets around to publishing based around pseudo-intellectual stoner thoughts he has. And then Riley goes on to say, that is the stoner fantasy. In reality, stoners are losers that wouldn't know the first thing when it comes to writing. I don't mind stoners who have a simple life, but this movie gives them the illusion that they can have it all.
1: Suck it, stoners. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, Ross Richards gives it five stars and says, My favorite film of 2019. It features Matthew McConaughey's best moment as an actor. The cinematography was stunning. It's a secretly, it's secretly a genius horror movie about a sociopath destroying everything he comes into contact with. I'll die on this hill. That's exactly what I was saying.
0: Yeah, fascinating. I love that that interpretation, even though I violently disagree with it.
2: Wow. Cynthia Rose says, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. It definitely should be rated X. I was disappointed that this was called Beach Bum. I thought it was about a handsome guy surfing and enjoying life. A more accurate name would be Drunken Filthy Loser.
1: (laughs) 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 And we don't even see... We don't even see his bum, do we?
0: <laughs> How do we uh, it? No, I don't think we see his
1: ass. That's surprising. It is. I'll just watch Meg... Magic Mike instead.
2: Oh, yeah. Meg Bellinger gives it one star and says the preference would be zero stars. This vulgar glorification of substance abuse, mockery of commitment and marriage, de- degradation of employees left me fuming. Parentheses, we stopped watching after a mere 15 minutes. Is this the idealized American dream? Becoming famous and wealthy, only to be drugged out of one's mind while performing lewd sexual acts in front of strangers? Though th- thoroughly disappointed by each cast and crew member's choice to be a part of this disgusting disgrace. That's interesting yeah. because Meg Bellinger actually gets the movie, like understands the point of it, but still hates it.
0: Yeah, that's the greatest. That's the greatest review that's ever been written about an <laughs> American picture. <laughs> <American laughs>
2: Yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Uh thanks for m- forcing me to finally getting around to watching it, Tom.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys for uh joining me on this this voyage into Harmony Corinne. Uh we'd watch can can I, let me see. Go ahead.
0: Can I read a very quick uh letterboxed review? Yeah. From one of my my favorite letterboxers. Go ahead. So this is by Brat. Uh, who used to be a Portland-based film critic and is now in LA. Uh, Three and a half stars, trying to brainstorm, Brad is a woman, it should be said, uh, trying to brainstorm a professional and respectful way to say that Isla Fisher ripping a giant bog on the patio of an oceanfront Miami mansion while getting her pussy ate by Matthew McConaughey is, in this reporter's opinion, important and awesome, failing spectacularly.
2: Very good.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a strange joy of life that we see in in his films, right? From Gummo through The Beach Bum. Yep. Uh, and I am looking very forward to seeing how he's going to uh restructure or redo uh Yule Ball films. <laughs> you That's our next director.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, all right. I knew that, but I forgot, and and remembering was a joyous experience.
2: Yeah, join us next week for um, "Alone in the Dark" and "Postal."
0: Wow! Yeah,
2: Uh, Uwe Boll, one of my favorite directors. So I'm very excited about that.
0: For serious.
2: Yeah, I love him.
0: Okay, what what should I watch? Do I need to watch those? What do I? What's the? If I'm going to give one bowl a shot, what's the one?
2: Ooh. Uh, Assault on Wall Street Okay That's a very relevant movie Yeah so thank you thank you, Ryan so much for the theme And thank you for joining us this week Great to have I, you
0: I, I love it You guys are getting better and better at this
2: Oh like we show up severely hungover And <laughs> <laughs> Without <Spring> sleep
1: <laughs>
2: Professional uh, podcasting
0: yeah, no, you're the, just the way. Uh, I really loved the Frankenheimer. I think I texted you guys about this, but I really love the Frankenheimer um, episode about the train and the Manchurian Candidate. I've never liked the Manchurian Candidate, while understanding why it's well respected, um, right? And the way you guys talked about it made me want to go s- to see it again, uh, which mm-hmm. is like a for me is very high praise for a movie podcast and then i immediately rented the train and and uh and watched that after hearing you guys opine about it and i thought it was everything you you said it was and more so wow Excellent. that's well, good I'm,
2: yeah i was going to ask what you thought
0: i'm looking
1: forward to you revising your julian donkey boy review on <laughs> Letterboxd.
0: <laughs> well i don't i mean Maybe maybe if we have a date Thomas and and we watch it together. I don't I don't know uh, that I will everly willingly push play, play on that movie again in my life. Oh, it's right. so
2: good, Ryan. I'll so bring I the popcorn. Eat. Okay. Uh oh. yeah, and social medias are everything's in the description. I guess uh thanks to me for editing. Um Is that <laughs> it? Uh
1: yeah, um I hope that Ken's going to be able to still make that musical of Fight Harm. Um <laughs> together that has him injured this week but he should be back next week I hope.
2: Yep. You better be. All
1: right. Okay. Take care guys.
2: Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.